0: This week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast, we continue to get you set for the start of a new NLL season as we check in with Rock D coach Bruce Codd and the newest steal, Jeremy Noble. Plus the Calgary Rough announce announced a new captain and Biz Nasty wants to play lacrosse. All that more on OTCB. Good lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar Podcast, here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, the Lacrosse Flash, and yes, Spotify. That's right, you can take us anywhere you go via the Spotify app, just look up OTCB Podcast, and we will be in your ears all day, every day. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at off the crossbar. We are just two weeks away from the start of the new season. A three-game weekend for weekend one in the National Lacrosse League. And I'm pretty sure we're all chomping at the bit to get this thing started I know all the players are as they continue to go through camps and when you're having long travel days and long days of practices sometimes twice a day scrimmages it's very arduous on the body taxing on the mind and I know these guys would love to just go to war against somebody that's not in their own team colors now, if you happen to be in the GTA or maybe you're down in Buffalo, you got to see some NLL scrimmages, including the Mammoth taking on the Rock and the Bandits. And you may have also seen a green lacrosse ball. That is right. The National Lacrosse City is experimenting with a NLL-specific ball. With a new, let's call it, pattern, texture, grid on it. Uh, It has a ton of ridges and edges. And it is also green. So, it has some issues to it. I don't hate the idea of coming up with a recognizable NLL ball. But, one, why green? Two, the edges and dimples and ridges to it make zero sense to me. So if this was just the first crack at making an NLL specific ball, okay, if it goes any further than the preseason, especially this rendition of the ball, I will be very surprised because I have talked to a few people that got a chance to use the ball this weekend. The biggest complaint about it was that it was very hard to see and not just while it was on the turf, but passing through the air, even while players were on the benches, they were having troubles seeing the ball. As for the ridges and the texture to it, it was very difficult for players to cradle in the stick, they couldn't get a proper feel for it. It just didn't feel like it was sitting right in the heart of the pocket. Then When you go to throw it, you're feeling it even more off the top of the head. You're feeling it click. You're feeling it roll off. And for a lot of players, that's not something that they want to feel. They want to feel that ball roll smoothly, right out of the pocket, right out of the stick. And it's almost second nature. With this new ball, players feel it more than they would like. And they see it less than they would like. So I think the NLL uh, will have to go back to the drawing board a bit on this one. The only thing that I can think in my mind for having a green lacrosse ball. And this is again just a wild idea. But with the turf being green and the ball being green. Maybe it has like a green screen effect. And they're using it for the opportunity to make the ball glow. That is the only reason that I can think of having a green ball on a green turf. Is to make it glow. Much like the Fox track puck the NHL used many moons ago. There have been circles of people who say they have troubles following the ball. Whether it's in person or watching At home. Now, obviously, in person, you can't make the ball glow. But on TV, you could. But again, I still don't see why it needs to be green. I think just having a white lacrosse ball, everybody knows what a lacrosse ball is. So, I appreciate the effort to try and change things up, but not everything needs to be tinkered with. So, let's just stick with the white ball. Let's move on, and let's talk about some other things that are going on in the National Lacrosse League. As mentioned, we are two weeks away from camps, so teams are in full swing, not just in practices, but scrimmages as well. And there have also been some releases from camp rosters. Again, we're still early on in the cut process, so there's not too many major names being released at this point. Some fringe guys that some lacrosse fans will know. Some guys who have maybe had a cup of coffee or who have been chomping at the bit to try and make that crack and step over the hurdle. But we haven't gotten to any jaw-dropping surprise cuts as of yet. That's coming, though. Because with rosters due, I believe, the 21st, maybe it's the 23rd, teams don't have a lot of time to make these final cuts and with only a couple of weekends to have those practices and scrimmages both players and coaches are gonna have to bring it every time they step on the floor one of those teams is the halifax thunderbirds a new ish team if you consider they've just relocated but first time head coach Micah Kersey was extremely happy with his team's effort after this past weekend. Dave, again, day one, we challenge you guys to bring your best, okay, to put your best foot forward, knowing the opportunity you had to be a part of this. I can't, I can't be more proud of it than everybody in this room. Okay? From top to bottom. All 60 minutes today, all 60 minutes yesterday, you gave everything on the floor. Awesome job, folks. Awesome job. Here you go. After a tough weekend of camp, the Halifax Thunderbirds have made some roster moves. They released Gates Abrams, Alex Tammas, and Brad Fennell from their active roster. So they're starting to pare down, just like many other teams. And this is the time, as mentioned, they've made sort of the easier cuts. The cuts of free agents and rookies that were just kind of brought in to maybe fill some roles, and see if they can hang. But now in the last two weeks, teams are starting to get down to those final cuts. Most teams are probably under 30 right now. And if you listen to the show last week, I said if your team is in the mid to high 30s still, you're not helping your team. With now most teams under 30 and only having to make a few more cuts, the decisions become that much harder because now you're not only trying to figure out who's on your main roster, but also who are going to be your practice squad guys. If there's guys to go on the physically unable to perform list, the IR holdout list, maybe there's some trades to happen. This is the toughest time of year for head coaches and general managers to make those final few decisions. Because none are easy at this point in time. And every player will be scrutinized. And every player will be judged and evaluated to the nth degree. And all the players can do is give it everything that they have. One of those players is Jeremy Noble. Now, it's not expected that he's going to get cut from the San Diego Seals. But coming off the year he did last year with the Colorado Mammoth, one that was, in his eyes, a very disappointing season just because he couldn't compete at the level that he is used to. Things didn't go his way in his final year in Colorado, and with the improvements of Ryan Lee and Kyle Killen and Jacob Rue, it allowed the Mammoth to, shockingly to some, move on from Jeremy Noble. And a trade in the offseason sent him to San Diego, reuniting him with Steve Govett. And even though he spent all five of his years in the NLL with the Colorado Mammoth, he's adjusting to life with the Seals just fine.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Definitely was weird this past weekend at the start, Um, but uh, it it sounds great, and and I couldn't be happier to be a
2: part of the Seals must be nice having practices in the sunshine instead of the snow of denver oh it it was beautiful weather this past weekend it it couldn't have been nicer for us how do you fit in with that san diego seals group because you know this is only their second year so they're still trying to find their identity still trying to find their roles of players how do you think you fit in your first camp i think uh i think it went well i think it went really well i think uh the right side it is very easy to play
1: with all those guys. You look at West bird who I've a uh, familiar playing with. And then Kyle Buchanan, who I think anybody can play with that guy with how, how special a player he is, right? He can be on ball. He can be off ball. He's so smart. And then you got Connor Kiernan who who can bang around and have uh, some of the best hands I've seen inside in a while. So, I mean, I think all three of those guys are, are very easy to play with. And then, you kind of look at on the left side, you look at Zach Greer this past weekend and it seems like him and I hadn't missed a beat uh, when we were playing out there together. And then I had experience playing with Connor Fields in, in Oakville. So um, it, it was a great first weekend
2: and familiar with a lot of the guys. And I think it went well. How nice that to have those familiar faces going to a new setting? It's huge. Uh, I really think
1: it's huge um, from the coaching staff to even, even Steve Gubbett. Uh, he, he traded for me here and, uh, in Colorado, and then he, and then they brought me to San Diego. So it's just from Steve to to Patrick to Brody to, to the offense, it's uh it's been a really really nice transition having people around that are familiar with me and, and I'm familiar with them and know what they expect.
2: You guys those start till December seventh, so you got some more time. What's been the biggest focus for Pat Merrill in the short amount of time you guys have been on the floor? Well, I, I think uh, competing, right? Competing is a big
1: thing with Patrick and. Um it was a really tough and, and, and hard training camp this past weekend, but that's what you want as a team. And think you got a lot of good looks at people in different situations. And um, I think uh, this coming weekend especially is going to tell a
2: lot with, with two games and, and one hard practice as well. Yeah, you guys are at the LEC for, for a couple scrimmages. When the news was was released that you were going to be moving on from Colorado in that trade, how did you take that? Um, it's,
1: uh, I, I think, uh, it, it, it was, it was tough. Uh, I, uh, I loved my time here in Colorado, especially the fans and, uh, and, and my teammates, those were my guys. And, uh, it's the only thing I'd ever really known. So mm-hmm. I think it was a shock. I think I, I called D Ward. He's the first person I called right after to kind of, kind of let him know and he wished me my best but um like Dylan and I we we had traveled to the airport every every single away game and shot together every week and worked out every every single day so it was uh it was it was, it was an awkward feeling it was a weird feeling but i think uh pretty quickly after um i started thinking about it and talking talking to my family members about it just the excitement and and, and how fortunate i was to be moving on to to such a, a quality quality place and, and just a really good group of people
2: what do you think was the biggest, uh, not the term, but what was the biggest limiting factor to your success last year? Because we'd never really seen you have a year like you did last year. Um, I I don't know. I it, Last year kind of, it just started snowballing
1: game after game. And that's something I, I've never been in a position with in, in my lacrosse before. And I think, uh, as a team, we weren't having success, and um, as an individual, I wasn't having success, and I think uh, it just kind of all snowballed into into one unfortunate year. And I, I truly believe it was a blip in the radar, and uh, I'll be back as good as I was before, if not better.
2: As a player, how do you try and work yourselves out of those slumps as you're you're trying to find that rhythm again?
1: I think. Um, Trying to find my rhythm again was this fall. As soon as I got I got traded, um, I, I've been in the gym five days a week with with a trainer, and uh, I've been shooting uh, by myself and, and with Trevor back this fall about three or four times a week, where I really think I found my groove. And I think it started this past best training camp weekend, finding a groove out there, and just felt like uh, felt like I I was before, and uh, it, it was a great feeling. And, and I'm definitely still hungry and and motivated, and have to keep grinding.
2: Do you wish that you had accomplished more in Colorado before this deal was made? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I would have brought a, a championship to the Mammoths. I think,
1: um, I, honestly, I, I thought I would play for the Mammoths forever, and obviously that, that that's obviously not going to happen anymore. I wish I could have brought a, a championship to the, the city of Colorado, especially to those fans. and you look at the loud house every single night, right? You you experience with every every home game just how how passionate they are and, and how supportive they are of, of the Colorado Mammoths. So I wish I could have brought them a championship, but personally, I, I had a ton of awesome memories uh, at the Pepsi Center with, with some family members in town for games and, and, and different situations. So I think uh, I hope I left the Mammoth better um, a better place after after leaving there. I, I think. Um, I, I helped them do some things and I wish them nothing but the best. And uh, I love those guys on, on that team. And I still love the, uh, the mammoth fans.
2: February 15th is going to be an emotional and special night seals in Colorado. Your first return back to Loudhouse. Have you got that date circled on the calendar?
1: Um,
2: I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's kind of a
1: tough question. I think the first date that I got circled is, is December 7th in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and just focusing week after week, I think obviously it's going to be emotional playing against the Mammoth, But I think after the first couple shifts, it, it, you 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 kind of get that out of you. And like I said, those are my guys. to so at the end of the day, I have a job to do, and and that's to to to, to win a game for the seals. And I think that's what it'll be. But yeah, it'll be emotional. I think it is for every player returning to uh to a team that they got traded from. How special is Vegas going to be? gonna be awesome um <laughs> it's uh it, it, it's gonna be really cool what what an opportunity to play in las vegas especially against against the mammoths um it's just funny it, it all comes full circle but it's uh it's really cool especially you got you got steve govin and josiah i mean they're flying out a lot of those um those season ticket holders are getting the hotels in, in las vegas so they can make that game so i don't think you've ever really seen that in a professional sports franchise where we uh, an organization that has looked after their fans. So, so well, and, and done something like that for their fans. So it's, uh, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a unique experience and, and hopefully uh, it just leads to, to better things than that. All else. Who doesn't make the flight home after that game? Uh, well, I, I can say some names on the man, but that won't make <laughs> on the next day. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, uh, it, it'll be a great experience, right? I mean, I think both teams will look forward to it and probably hang out afterwards with those guys. But uh, at the end of the day, both teams are, are going there to, to, to enjoy a win, hopefully, and, um, and and then spend some time thereafter with, with each other and, and friends and family that come, come down and watch.
2: You mentioned uh, your regime during the off season, you get yourself sort of back in the flow of things. How was the summer for you this year, uh, not playing in the summer ball? Uh,
1: uh, so I, I played a little bit in Oakville during the regular season and then I played playoffs, but honestly, I think I kind of took a step back and kind of kind of took a step back this summer and stepped away from the game a little bit and kind of really thought about, about uh, my career and, and what I've done so far and, um, I really want to keep competing at a high level and do this for 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 five to to ten more years hopefully. So I mean I I just rejuvenated myself this off season. Um I'm hungrier than than I have ever been and uh I think it was an awesome off season to do that and um it has been a great fall so far and just looking to continue to to work every single weekend I get an opportunity to play with the SEALs. You
2: mentioned uh some off season work goals with Trevor Baptiste. How nice is it to have now as the game continues to grow a nice core of guys from that denver area that are living in town that you can do those off-season workouts with just to push yourself yeah
1: it's uh it's great denver's a special place and I see a lot of special players come through here so to train with trevor and, and, and brent adams and, and even d ward um it's uh it's awesome. You're, you're definitely fortunate, and uh, it's always fun competing against some of the best in the world. And I think those three are all different players, but I think they're all three of the best players in, in the world at their position. So it's just fun to compete with them and, and and work with them.
2: Orangeville is a special place for you. Obviously, your hometown, where you're from, where you grew up playing. How nice was it to watch the Hornheads listen to the Minto Cup this past summer? Awesome. Uh, obviously, Orangeville is, is such a place to,
1: to anyone that uh, comes from there, and, and plays that to watch them win another Minto. Uh, I think I watched it with a bunch of guys actually, uh, Rosie and, and all those guys. Um, we watched a bunch of those games, so kind of brought back a ton of good memories. And uh, I'm just so glad that they all got to experience um, the feelings that we had. And, and you could see that they earned, they earned a Canadian championship, and the way they kind of went through that tournament and playoffs. Kind of, It uh, kind of worked everyone, so just awesome to see and just happy for that
2: coaching and, staff and, and Beav and Rosie and, and just the whole team. How, how much tighter does it bring that junior program to have multiple teams win those Minto Cups? Because you can have an alumni group of players that have never won before and you have an alumni group of guys who are the best of the best at that time. That's got to make that group even more special. Yeah, it, it brings everyone together and...
1: I think you all you always um all of you realize people that have won that the Minto Cup, especially from Orangeville, you know how hard it is and you know what each group has gone through, right? Everyone goes goes through hard hard playoff series, hard Minto Cup battles and coming out on top of that, you just know how, how hard it is to do and, and you're grateful for it and you're proud of the other groups that have done it, um when when you're either before you or after you, right? You know mm-hmm. how hard it is to win a Minto Cup and especially people that have won more than one, just, just hats off to them. Who's the best player ever to come from the Ville? tough. That's that's a tough question, Teddy. Um, I think you could you could make a make a case for about twenty guys that are, are some of the best Orangeville players ever. Um, my personal favorite is obviously Shooter. Um, shooter was, was my guy when I was younger. He was one of the smaller guys out there, kind of like me, and he's the floor and his competitiveness. I mean, you look at Rusty Kruger too. He was a captain in Orangeville and, and how hard he played, fight score goals, he'd do anything for his teammates, and um, you look at Brody, like, you, you can honestly go down the list and, and every yeah. single year you could put a player or two up there as, as some of the best ever, so I think it's hard to single people out, and I think even if you look at the goalies from Orangeville, you look at Kirky, you look at Rosie, you look at Wardo; some of the best in the world, B. Miller, like, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's really crazy how, how many good players and quality people have come out here.
2: What is it in the water that makes such smaller that's your guy so
1: talented
2: um I think our work ethic um our
1: work ethic being smaller guys and your IQ I think that's, that's some of the biggest things it was actually funny I was talking to, to Kyle Buchanan the other night at dinner and they kind of asked us in, in media the other day about being, being smaller guys out there and we kind of listen to each other like, we don't really notice that we're we're smaller than everybody it's never like I'm on offense or, or he's on offense You're Like, well, well you know um, they're a lot bigger than me. I just think you got to be smarter. You got to be quicker and you just got
2: to, you got to want it that much more being a, a smaller guy out there. You've spent some time working with DU. You're kind of moving on from that now to to build and, and grow the next shooters of our game. How's the Jeremy Noble camp going? It's awesome. It's, uh,
1: it's been really good. I had a, I had a blast at DU and,
2: and now kind of just
1: do my own academies out here and finishing up my green card, uh in the next month or so. So shooting academies are going great. we got some, we got some talented, talented players here in Colorado that you're starting to see um, come out. So it's just been, been fortunate to work with real young kids and a little bit of older kids that are getting ready to play college across. So it's been, that, it's been a good year.
2: Weekend two with the Seals, as mentioned, a couple of scrimmages up at the LEC. But how excited are you for December 7th against the Buffalo Bans? Very excited. We got we have a lot of work to do um, this
1: weekend and the weekend after in San Diego before we we get to Buffalo in about just under a month. But um, just excited to to be with the new team and I think this group is uh, is very hardworking and, and very well coached and just looking forward to to getting things going with these guys.
0: That's Westberg of the San Diego Seals. Even to me, it still sounds kind of weird having called pretty much every game nobles had with the mammoth except for that first year when he came over from the rochester nighthawks in that trade after he was drafted by the nighthawks said he wasn't really going to play for them because he had work and life in denver spent five years with the mammoth and now he's reunited not only with steve govett who was with the mammoth there also cam holding zach greer but his good du buddy westberg and on that right side When you can add guys like Jeremy Noble and Wes Berg to Kyle Buchanan and Connor Kiernan, you've really helped yourself become a very, very lethal offense. And now that Zach Greer is back, per se, Jeremy said he was with him in camp this weekend and they hadn't missed a beat. Casey Jackson another year, in that SEALs organization off under his belt, whenever Audie Stotts can be fully healthy. I think that that San Diego SEALs team, even though they lost a guy like Dan Dawson and Turner Evans, is that much better offensively than they were last year. So it'll be very interesting to see how the SEALs do. Uh, I'm excited to see them in Vegas, just like most people. Um, But coming off a hot first year in the National Lacrosse League, it'll be very interesting to see them and how they react in their sophomore year. And there's no way that Pat Merrill and his coaching staff will allow that group to have a sophomore slump. So expect big things from the Seals in the West Division. Uh, Thanks to Jeremy Noble for giving us some time. As always, love catching up with the little duder. But another team out East would like to have some success and they'd like to improve on last year and that is the Toronto Rock and the Rock were in action this past weekend as they had a scrimmage against the Colorado Mammoth which they came away with a victory and all signs point to this team continuing to get better they have some losses due to injuries especially most notably Brock Sorensen but they did bring in the Brock ship David Brock so that kind of helps but I still think this team has a bit of a way to go. I'm still not completely sold out their front door. Their D is incredible. I think they play the exact way that's needed to balance the style of Nick Rose between the pipes. I'm super stoked to see my guy Zach Manns have a strong weekend at camp. He's impressing. And if you can get some more youth, some more young legs, that's always beneficial. Adding Dan Dawson is just such a huge bonus for any team, and it automatically makes them better. I'm just not sure if they have the depth across the board. Bruce Cott is their defensive coach, and he knows what it takes to win at every level. I still don't know if he has a sound mind in dessert tastes. However, the Rock were at it this past weekend, and the D coach for the Rock, was quite impressed with his group. But we start our conversation with the longtime NLL journeyman talking about not only his time in Arizona, but what his favorite nickname was.
3: Oof, I don't know. I've had a few, but I think I'm gonna have to stick with the probably the the, the best known one which would be the Desert Rat.
0: Yeah. And who
2: gave me that name down in Arizona?
3: Well, I didn't think that would be Scotty uh, Self
2: uh, that kind of coined that phrase. (laughs) He's a a legend in his own right, but how were those days in Arizona? Well, we didn't have very much fun at all,
3: actually. It was was tough sledding that crew. (laughs) No, we we had a ton of fun there and actually still keep in contact with a lot of those guys. And uh, even to this day, we still uh, keep some of those old jokes running. So it was uh, definitely a good time and a lot of fun.
2: Do you still have the uh, shower towel with the beer holder in the front? actually
3: no i don't uh, I think probably uh uh ran its course a few years back, but that was uh that was a pretty uh pretty revolutionary uh item at the time
2: i I'm sure a lot of guys could handle one of those these days um your time in arizona was short lived you did go uh to a championship run with that club but As we move through lacrosse now, how much has the game changed since those early days in the desert?
3: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously just first and foremost, just looking at training camp. uh, uh, First day, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I just couldn't get over the size and and how good a shape everybody's in now. Like, uh, I would say probably the athleticism is probably the biggest change. I don't think the game and the structure has changed all that much. But, um, you know, guys are just in such good shape. And and they're so big now. Like, everybody has got to be, you know, it's, it's tough for a small person to play the game. Now, really, you see less and less of that all the time.
2: It's funny because I asked Nob's the same question about being a small guy. And he said, he doesn't really notice the difference of being a small guy out the front door. Now, do you think old guys have it easier than say a smaller size defensive player?
3: Yeah, maybe to a certain extent, I think there's probably some legitimacy to that. I mean, um, you know, certainly if you've got, uh, you know, skills like Jeremy and feet like Jeremy, it's probably not that big a deal, but, uh, you know, being at the at the back door, I think nowadays you have to be. You know, for the most part, I mean, there's obviously going to be exceptions to every rule, but um, you just look at it, and I think most guys are six feet, uh, uh, upwards of six feet, and then, you know, the other thing is probably you know in that two hundred pound plus range, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, ten years ago, I don't know if that would have been quite as um, prevalent as it is now. I guess
2: you kind of got your feet wet, in the NLL coaching with the Calgary Roughnecks. How has your coaching mentality changed over the years? Well, I was very fortunate that,
3: uh, you know, Kurt Miloski gave me the opportunity to jump on the bench. And uh, I was lucky, it Was you know, right after I was done playing, actually, you know, I was going to probably try and carve another year out. He phoned and I offered that opportunity. I thought, well, you know, there's no better time and no better uh, person to learn from. So, uh, obviously, you know, spending time with Kurt for, for four years there, I, I learned a tremendous amount. And I think that's really shaped a lot of, uh, you know, my philosophies and things like that. I've, you know, been born out of, you know, lessons I learned from him
2: what kind of coaching structure do you bring as a sort of defensive minded coach, whether you're running the back gate for the rock or whether you're the main guy for the Northmen.
3: Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I like to try and do my homework as much as I can. You know, I love watching a lot of video and getting out and watching games and and that kind of thing. So, you know, obviously uh, game planning would be a big thing there. Just, you know, kind of making sure that, uh, you know, you have a a very good uh, read on the other team's tendencies and what they like to do. Um, you know, and then uh, just other things. You know, I think uh, myself my philosophy is very similar to what I played. I believe in hard work, and uh, you know, first and foremost, that 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 has to be there. And if it's not, then you know, obviously, you're going to be swimming, uh, you know, upstream probably. So, uh, I'm a big believer in hard work, and big believer in uh, you know preparation. You know, so you marry those two things together, and you know, chances are you'll be somewhat successful.
2: A couple guys that, that you, Coach, that I've talked to have all said that you're a really good players coach. You know when to yell and when not to yell. Some guys need to be yelled at. Other guys don't. How do you balance the yelling and the not yelling and, and the teaching and the learning aspects of coaching? Well, I think, you know,
3: first and foremost, I mean, I'm not somebody that likes to yell a whole lot. I mean, uh, obviously, there's time and place. But, um, you know, generally, if I'm if I'm upset, it's probably for some of the reasons I just mentioned, right, that somebody's mm. not you know, digging in and putting the work in, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, again, it's not something that I, you know, really pride myself on as being a yeller, but uh, I think, you know, it's just kind of reading people too, you know, like they're, like you said, some people, you know, need that kind of maybe kick in the butt, whereas other people, you need to maybe kind of massage a little bit more and, you know, kind of build them up, you know, and I think, uh, um, you know, when you can figure out what makes people tick, obviously that's going to, that's going to help you, you know, kind of shape whatever approach you're going to use with them.
2: The Toronto Rock got things going this weekend. Uh, they had a couple of scrimmages. How did you think the boys fared in their first real test?
3: I thought we had a really good start. I mean, I was impressed with a lot of our, our young guys, which is good. That's what you really want to see. I mean, typically, you know, the veterans, they've been around. They know what it takes to, um, you know, to, to be successful in an exhibition game anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought we had some, you know, like I said, some really good surprises. You know, Scott Domney scored a couple of goals at the back door. Uh, Zach Mann had a couple up the front. Josh Juvenville looked good. So we had some guys that you know, haven't played a whole lot uh, or at all
2: and uh, looked very well. So,
3: um, you know, that was a nice, nice thing to see for sure.
2: How good can Latrell Harris be?
3: Well, I mean, uh, you, you see it at times where, you know, he, he can be, he can be phenomenal. I mean, uh, he's just so strong and he's got such a knack of reading the play. And, you know, so um, he's a pretty special player. And I still think, you know, he, you know, we look at it, he's been in the league probably what, three years now. I still think, uh, you know, he's 21 years old. His best days are still ahead of him here, too. Mm-hmm. So um, It's going to be exciting to see because uh, he's already been man strong for you know, three years, but uh, when he really grows into it, I think it's, he's going to be uh, somebody that a lot of people are going to be running away from.
2: Brad Cree over the years has been a, a really steady defensive guy for you, taking face-offs, doing all the little things. Is there a way to get him freed up a little bit and not always having to take face-offs? Or are you looking a way to have more be just a straight Giga? Well, I think, you know, last year we had
3: some success. Obviously, we had Jay Thornburg last year that mm-hmm. took um, the bulk of our draws, and I really do think that helped Brad, you know, kind of save his energy. I don't think uh, a lot of people realize how taxing that could be, you know, when you got to do 30 battles that nobody else has to do. So, yeah, we're going to try and, you know, limit Brad's face-offs because it, uh, I, I do think it helps us in other areas. I mean, he's on our on our ball team. He's on our short man. Uh, he's going to cover, the, you know, the, be- the other team's best players. So he's a very important person. So if we can save as much energy as possible, that's good. And I think we we saw, you know, what that looks like last year when, when we did that, right?
2: Brock Sorensen was phenomenal in the Man Cup this year. Unfortunately, uh, he goes down with an Achilles injury. How much of a loss is that for you guys? But how much does the acquisition of David Brock kind of fill that hole?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he was losing Brock. He was, uh, you know, I think he probably, in my opinion, probably had his best year in the NL last year. And like you said, had a great man cup. Um, and he was also a, you know, a great, you know, kind of leader in, in our room last year, especially at the back end. he really, him and Brad really took that kind of vocal, uh, role with the team. So we'll miss him, but, um, you know, those, those things happen. Unfortunately, everybody goes through it and, you know, to get a, get, you know, a good player like David Brock, uh, you know, kind of fill that, that hole. It, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, the one thing that I will say is, you know, uh, um, Brock Sorensen, you know, being a left-hander versus David being a right would be maybe one of the things that we'll miss a little bit. But, uh, you know, brocky has been around a long time and, you know, again, he he brings a lot of different things, too. I mean, he brings a physical element, um, great team guy, you know, not afraid to stick his nose in there for his teammates and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, we're going to have a lot, you know, uh, we're really fortunate that we got David Brock last year to sign as a free agent.
2: Can Paul Bissonette crack your roster? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, he seems to
3: think so. So, um, you know, I I, I kind of don't think he would. I mean, uh, it's interesting to see though today how many guys, you know, uh, have said, you know, maybe we should introduce him to Andrew Suter, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I certainly enjoyed seeing that. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he'd crack the the lineup. But I did see Jamie did offer him an opportunity if he wanted to jump in the lineup this weekend.
2: I think that's kind of third the pot a little bit between lacrosse players and hockey players with that crossover. Um, you kind of do a little bit of both. How's the, uh, the Orangeville Northman alumni hockey tournament looking this year?
3: Well, I think we're going to have a a pretty good year this year. I mean, uh, we're kind of hosting it at the same time as our junior a banquet and having a kind of a post game, uh, um, you know, celebration to celebrate the mental cup. So I think we'll have a really good turnout and, uh, you know, it's always a lot of fun regardless of whatever amount of guys we have there. But I think this year is going to be a, a big year and, and and fun as always.
2: I asked nobs this and I'm going to ask a lot of people this, but who's the greatest hornhead of all time?
3: Well, for me, it's, it's a no-brainer and obviously a very good friend of mine. But Josh Anderson, um, you look at his numbers uh, in junior, uh, nobody even comes close um you know from from that and then you know then just take a look at his career after that right a hall of famer in the nll and soon to be in the cla i mean he's uh uh from my mind uh you know kind of on his own and then there's a there's a whole slew of guys that are right there you know kind of just below that and you know obviously uh a guy whose uh, resume just keeps getting better and better both indoors and outdoors dylan ward is a guy mm-hmm. that's you know, kind of you know, on his way of doing a lot of great things. And, you know, in terms of the other guys that suited up to play junior A, Adam Jones was a phenomenal junior player. You know, there's been a lot of great guys, but for me, um, you know, plain and simple, it's, it's Josh Sanderson.
2: Now, was it a case of geographics that there was never a senior A team in Orangeville?
3: Well, I think really what it comes down to is, you know, the town's not very big. And, uh, you know, if we were to have a senior team, you know, there's only so many advertising dollars and things like that, you know, but, mm-hmm it's kind of a neat thing that you mentioned that though, like we're going to add a junior C team this year. So we're going to have a junior A, B and C, which, um, I don't know if anybody else in the province has it. I don't think so. Um, you know, and for our little community of about 30, you know, thousand people, uh, it speaks volume to how big this, the sport is here. And it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I do wish that at some point we would have had a senior team because I do think it would be well or supported well. And, mm-hmm. and, and obviously be, you know, a lot of orange guys that would play on it. But, uh, you know, I just, I really, when it comes down, to it, I think it's more economics than anything. And, and
2: that town is really beloved, that junior program, because I've seen videos, the bunny barn is always hopping.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's uh, something that even when I was a kid, you know, you go down on Friday nights, it's always a, uh, you know, busy spot and all the uh, kids coming out and everything else. So it it really is. its uh, It's, you know, it's an important part of the community in a lot of ways.
2: The Toronto Rock uh, still got about 30 guys on your roster as you move towards final roster deadlines in a couple of weeks. What's the focus for you guys and the coaching staff over the next couple of weeks? Well, I think, you know, one thing is getting
1: getting healthy. We've had a couple
3: guys that have kind of got nicked up a little bit, so it's first and foremost getting healthy. But, uh, you know, we didn't really invite that many guys out. I think this is probably – I imagine we would have uh, – the least amount of guys at camp out of anybody and you know i think there's pros and cons to that obviously you know you want to create as much competition as you can but um at the same token you know i think we've got an opportunity to kind of you know whittle it down very quickly and and start to get our you know our top uh 18 right uh ready for that first night right so um you know it's like again getting healthy and then uh you know kind of sorting out who goes where on on what roster and all that but uh no different than anybody else
2: you guys start December 7th against New England. We probably won't see the newly designed green national lacrosse league ball, but what did you think of that as an experiment over the weekend?
3: Well, I mean, uh, you know, in our game, we only use it for a quarter. Uh, I certainly, myself, I had trouble picking the ball up in the air. I mean, Matty Sawyer uh, almost got beat on the bench, and I don't even think he realized it. It just went whizzing by him, and I don't even think he saw it. I mean, uh, you know, we were. I looked at Blaine Manning and was like, holy, oh, that was close. And, you know, Maddie's didn't even bat an eye. So, uh, I found it tough to pick up and I, I, you know, I, I, I just can't see how it, uh, um, is something that puts
2: into play, but you, you never know, I guess. With three divisions, the National Cross League has gone to this year. Now you only have to really beat out a couple teams to get into the playoffs. Is that a good thing or a bad thing mentally?
3: Well, I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're still going to have to be good. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, you only have to beat two to kind of get in your division, but, uh, you know, that is also going to be where you where you match up and and, and who you who you get in that first round. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it changes a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, like you you got to do really well in your division, I think. But at the same token, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, adding more teams, and and that it's going to be it's going to be a grind like it always is. It's uh, it's always you know hard to hard to succeed in the national lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a little
2: upset that The Rock and Mammoth don't play because we can't have a bet on uh, the loser has to eat the other lovely dessert. But I would like for you to explain to me why you think butter tarts are better than an apple butter.
3: Well, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you just look at our our country. You know, you got right on the right on the flag, you got this maple leaf logo, and you know, one of the main ingredients in the butter tart is you know kind of maple syrup and you know that goodness. And then I I just you know I to me it's just a it's a no brainer I mean I'm not a marshmallow guy I don't even know if that's what
2: that yellow marshmallow. Stuff is. marshmallow there's any marshmallow in it what is it then I mean what, what is that that's that's the thing I don't even it's know what Brownie, coconut and chocolate well there you go coconut they're
3: they're done you just you don't see coconuts <laughs> growing wild you know in in the streets here in Canada
0: so it's, <laughs> it's a no brainer it's just a no brainer if anybody can find me a wild coconut growing in Canada, please let me know because Bruce Codd is so wrong, he's wronger than wrong. There is no way a butter tart is a better bite than a Nanaimo bar. And it's not like I hate butter tarts. I quite enjoy them. Molly Jenner makes them every Christmas, and I eat them all the time. But if you put a butter tart next to an Nanaimo bar, a hundred times out of a hundred, I am picking up that chocolate, delicious brownie and coconut delight and stuffing it in my face. No questions asked, no doubt about it. Give me Nanaimo bars all day, every day. And I think it was Curtis Dixon who said it's a bit of an East-West thing, so that might be it. We all know Easterners have a different take on everything, so... Uh, I'll maybe let this slide, but if you find a wild coconut in Canada, let me know. There were uh, a couple news and notes from the National Cross League as the week went on. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, we'll save the big one for last. But the Calgary Roughnecks announced that Dane Doby will be their new captain for the upcoming season with Curtis Dixon and Greg Harnett acting as his assistants. Uh, Of course, Dan McRae was picked up in the expansion draft. He's now a member of the New York Riptide, and I wouldn't be surprised if they name him their captain. But you can't go wrong with picking Dane Dobie. Uh, The guy is a legend. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the GOAT because he's not. He's just a legend. Curtis Dixon, Greg Harnett, great additions uh, to the assistant family. And I think it was Evan Scheminauer who said it in our group chat um, of... How many forwards are captains in the National Cross? Again, there aren't too many. And that brings up a bit of a discussion as to why. And for me, I think it's defensemen generally have a better relationship with referees in order to talk with them and have conversations with them at a calm, demeaned level. But I think also there's just a aura of respect around defenders in a in a locker room that gives them that ability to be heard by the room. And it may sound weird saying that, but when forwards have a mindset of we got to score, we got to score, we got to score, that is a very forward-thinking mentality. Defenders have a mentality of We have to stop them so our forwards can score. And I think they just have a shade more room respect and they have higher stance in the quote unquote hierarchy of the lacrosse world. And I have no issues with that being the case because defensemen are a huge part of our game and I I truly believe that they have a better mindset for being a captain than a forward would. I may get a lot of heat for that. It's all good. But really, there's no difference between a forward and a defenseman having that letter. I just truly believe that having a better communicating ability with the officials, with coaching staffs, it's just a better mindset to have a D guy wear the C than having a forward do it. Now, the other big lacrosse news exploded lacrosse Twitter on Wednesday. And it came from an unlikely source, and it came out of the blue. Paul Bissonette, aka Biz Nasty. I'm sure. Most people out there know who I'm referring to. He went to Twitter Wednesday and said, paraphrasing, I'm pretty sure I could walk on to any NLL team and make it. Now, I was irked by this, but intrigued, because Paul Bissonnette doesn't put out anything through social media without a plan. And so, once this caught fire through Twitter and social media, 99% of NLL teams said, Hey Paul, we've got camp this weekend, come try out, we'll sign you to a contract. Now, I got no issues with that. I think it's a great move to try and drum up some viralness through that. Because... As Davey Pageview says over at Barstool, content is king. And one thing the NLL has struggled with over the past few years is creating content. Sure, we have viral videos of Zach Greer getting hit in the face and behind the backs and between the leg shots and things like that. But to have a crossover social viral video content like this could produce is huge. Now, when I said 99% of teams all invited him to a contract, there was one team that stood out, the outlier in the group, and that was the Vancouver Warriors. And they took a different approach to it, and they started calling Biz out, saying they couldn't handle it. He couldn't hang with the NLL. His hockey numbers were inflated, and it's just not his sport. He may be able to hang on the ice, but there's no way he could hang on the turf. And Biz replied, and they went back and forth a couple times. And it seemed kind of odd that there was all these teams inviting Biz to a camp, yet the Warriors were trying to sort of pick a fight with him. Trolling 101 for Biz Nasty worked. PR 101 for the Vancouver Warriors seems to be working as well. Now, I don't have 100% concrete evidence of this, but it would seem that the Warriors and Biz Nasty might have something in place. Later on Wednesday, Biz just happened to be in Philadelphia and he got silly stringed by Gritty and almost started a brawl in the stands. Now, do I think that's what's going to happen with the Warriors and Biz Nasty? No. Do I think somehow they get him to a camp and put him in gear? 100%. Will Logan Schuss be a part of it? Yes. I have a feeling that is a crossover that is bound to happen. I don't know the end goal. But again, content is king. And there aren't too many bigger in the content world than Biz Nasty and the Spit and Chiclets Podcast. So if this is truly a PR move, it's brilliant. And I think it's great because we as a sport and a league need more crossover. And if you looked at some of the tweets that got back to BizNasty about it, especially from guys like Max Domi and other actual hockey players who have played the cross, Darren Pang, another one who chimed in, you could see how much they agree that Paul couldn't hang in the NLL, which will make him trying it that much more enjoyable to watch and that much more engaging. Eyeballs on the sport will always drive content. So I look forward to wherever this goes. And even if that's all it was, just Biz putting out that tweet and it was in cahoots with a national lacrosse team team, or maybe multiple teams that were in on this, I think it's brilliant. But I would love to see the end result and see where this goes because I have a true feeling That something is in the works and something is going to happen. And as Wednesday went on, people were getting more and more fired up over the original Biz tweet and his subsequent responses with the Vancouver Warriors. People were getting pretty rattled about it. And the lacrosse Twitter world was up in arms. So we will keep our fingers crossed and wait with bated breath to see where this all goes. It'll be very interesting. I'm excited. But I'm more excited for the start of the season. The Colorado Mammoth have another exhibition game this time in Calgary. I believe fans and everything are going to be involved. It'll be a true exhibition game, not a scrimmage. So for the players... It's a bit more like a real game experience and a real feel, but we're getting closer and closer to the end of the preseason. And November 29th is just 15 days away. Game one of the NLL season, Mammoth, Rush, game two, Roughnecks, Warriors, both go on the 29th. Thanks to Jeremy Noble, thanks to Bruce Codd, and as always, thanks to you, the loyal fan, for tuning in and listening to this week's show. Again, if you want to take us on the road, you can find us on Spotify. Just search OTCB Podcast. And as always, we're on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, and the Lacrosse Flash. You can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossPod. Until next week, enjoy the preseason games, enjoy the scrimmages, and enjoy the camps. We'll talk to you next week. Be excellent to each other.